Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible and a pad of paper and a pen. Let's dive in. Well, welcome, family. It's so good to be here today. It's good to be here every Sunday. I'm just going to say that. I'm telling you, I'm loving what the Lord is doing in you and through you. Uh, I love it. And I know our staff does as well. Uh, Today's going to wrap up our We Are Radiant Life. I told you last week, if you were here, it's a two-weeker. And then next week, we're going to jump into a four-weeker that is all tied into what we've been discussing about last week and this week. Um, But a few things before I jump in, just note this, uh, Pastor John, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Josh, and myself will be bringing this message to you. So there's not like an anchor point in scripture for you to like open up your word and just anchor right there, because we're going to be all over. So you're going to want to take quick notes as well as just screen pictures of the screens. You can always go back because we're online. You can always go back and say, man, I missed that slide. Just go back, watch us online, and you can grab stuff that way. But a few just quick things before we jump into this week's messages. Number one, uh, students in the room, high schoolers, you have Follow Conference coming up. And yeah, I'm surprised no parents clap to say, yay, my kids are gone for three days. <laughs> no, that's horrible. I don't do that. You do that. No. Um, if you notice the dates, uh, this happens every four years. Uh, in our denomination, the Wesleyan denomination. It happens every four years. The dates are this year, December 28th through the 30th. And the reason why, I know some of you are sitting back as a mom and dad and going, man, that's over Christmas. Like, what are you doing? That's exactly the point. Every kid is off during this week. So that's why every four years, they try to get all the Wesleyan churches and all the youth groups together for a giant conference of worship and word. And that's why it's there. And I know from our perspective, I know this. This is a little bit of a pricey event to go to. I went to this. This is my home church. I grew up here, went to youth group here. I was baptized in this church. My wife and I were married about right here and on this stage years ago. I went to this thing in Cincy 96. I'm telling you, this is impactful. And there's two things I want to share with you about this. Yes, it's pricey. Hey, parents, give the Christmas gift of your student going here. Lean in. You pay a lot of money for your kids' sports. And I'm there. I have three kids that play sports that we pay a lot of money. Invest in their eternity send them to follow conference. I'm telling you, listen, their sport will fade away one day and be meaningless. Their faith, eternity is what awaits them. You need to decide. And I'm there. I love sports, but I'm saying you got to be careful. Say, I don't have the money. Well, let's look at your sports list. How much are you training your kid? You got, do you see what I'm saying? I love you to say that. And here's the second thing. This is what I'm saying. Church family, this is pricey. And some of you have written checks to an order for our students in the summer. They go to never the same camp, NTS. And you're able to help fund that at a discounted rate for our students. I'm asking you to dig in your pockets again. Are you willing to discount our students to go to this conference as well? And I don't ask for money like that. 
hardly ever, if you've been here the eight and a half years I've been here, ever do I ever do that. I believe in this much, I believe in this event so much for our students that I'm asking for some of you to get out a check and write on the memo line, follow conference youth and see how many students we can send to this thing. Because I believe different environments do different things for us spiritually. NTS is hyper-focused, outside, summer, big-time game events and stuff like that, which is great. And this is getting thousands and thousands of youth together in worship and word. It's phenomenal. So get them there. Number two, if you are here last week, I showed you this slide. You guys remember this slide? You know who doesn't remember this slide? Because his name was left off of this slide last week. Yeah, uh-oh, I was in trouble. Uh, Josh Brown, JB, our worship pastor, was left off the slide. Okay? People came up to him asking, were you fired? Like, nope, I totally forgot to add him in. And I apologize to him. Here's the thing, though. My wife told me, you should have let me edit your slides before they went up there. I was like, you, you were right, I should have. All right? And here's the thing. The staff knew I left him out at the 9 a.m. They didn't tell me till we're all the way in Naperville, Illinois after service together. They're like, hey, by the way, did you know you left JB off the slide? Why didn't you tell me so I could have corrected it for the 11? Right? So here he is. We are not hiring a worship pastor, by the way. He is here, okay? So I feel horrible. All right, a few more things before we jump in. Um, communication is really fun. Communication is the lifeblood of all relationships, right? Uh, married people, you know that. You must communicate. And we often talk as, as staff is we can't over-communicate enough. Uh, we can say things from this stage seven times and it still get missed, it does. And then we have a conversation with someone like, oh, I didn't know about it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> did you listen? Because you were here last week and we said it from the stage. Uh, oh, yeah. So we can't over communicate. So we try to say things from stage. This is why we have a pre-roll announcement video 15 minutes prior to every service starting. So I'm going to encourage you, if you're missing out, get here a little bit earlier. And some of you are like, I could, Pastor Ryan, if you guys wouldn't go so long at 9 a.m. I know. I know, thanks for dealing with the extra thing today. Um, but uh, there's that. Uh, here's two things that we're gonna have. Number one is we do have an email thing that goes out on Thursdays called the Radiant Happenings. Uh, we're gonna change that up a little bit here soon and call it the weekly. And it's gonna go into your email box, inbox on Mondays for the whole week of what is transpiring here as the church body, okay? If you're like, I had no idea about an email, We've said it from stage multiple times, but right now, I'm going to give you permission. Let's get on our phones, get on our tablets right now. If you're like, I don't get that email, we're going to load Pastor Pam's inbox right now. You email pam at theradiantlife.church, and this is all you have to say in the subject line. Just say, add me. It's all you have to say. You don't even have to type an email out. Just say, add me, and she'll know what to do with it, right? And it's everything that's happening in that week of the church life, so you don't remember. And if you're like, I signed up and I never got one, check your spam. 
Because email doesn't like dot church. Did you know that? Just so you know, it does not like dot church. So oftentimes it sends it to spam. So tell your folder, it ain't spam, get it in my inbox, all right? And then what we want to do is we want to launch soon, and we've been in production, it's taken a little bit of more time than imagined. We want to give you the quarterly. Here's what the quarterly is. It's a handout. And what the quarterly will do, it's gonna, we're going to print it in a nice booklet for you. All you have to do once a quarter is grab one. And here's what it does. It celebrates the previous quarter. It celebrates our numbers, because some of you guys are numbers and you like that kind of stuff. We're going to celebrate what the Lord has done with how many disciples we're making, how many people are involved in groups, how many people got baptized and saved, and what's our giving and all that. Some of you like love that stuff. We're going to give you that. We're going to celebrate what God did the past quarter, but we're also going to give you the calendar for the next quarter. So we'll celebrate the three, three previous months, and we're going to give you the upcoming three uh, soon-to-be months. Is that... Does that, is that fair? Does that you understand that? Uh, we're going to work really hard on developing that. It just takes a lot more planning than we thought. And we're going to get the gears rolling here to help you. Because again, we cannot over-communicate to you all as a church family. It's really hard to communicate to, in just a moment, I'm going to say how many people average attendance are here. It's very hard. So we're just going to try to give you as much as you can take in. A few more things. This is exciting things. Man, I think the Lord's doing some great things. I can't, I'm going to tell you right now, I've been in ministry for X number of years, lots. I'm more excited now than ever before. Yeah, I'm more excited now. I'm more excited now than ever before. There's territory to take. I'm excited. I'm excited. I hope our excitement rubs off on you. But listen, you can't borrow our passion and get your own. (laughs) Okay? We can't want more from you than you want. So here's the cool thing. Uh, we updated our logo a little bit. There's our new logo on the left, our burst. We call that the burst. We call the other one our secondary logo. Okay, so hang in there for just a moment. The burst, if you all have seen it before, and we've seen it everywhere, it normally has that little block R. And I've always said, and I've thought to myself, are we radiant or are we radiant life? And I realize that like everyone in our community that we live in, Calls us radiant, even many of you, right? You call us radiant, you've heard it. But I was like, we are radiant life. There's a reason why God gave us that name, radiant life. So I told our graphics uh, lady, Haley, Haley, hello, you're watching online, that, hey, we need RL, we're radiant life. Let's get RL in there. So what I love about the burst is it's got radiant life, RL, but it's bursting. We're exploding with radiant life and being Jesus out in the community. And that's what that logo represents. The second logo is cool. It's our secondary logo. Um, It says Radiant Life Church, because here's what's awesome about this. This is where we get into church multiplication, right? We talked about that last week, the book of Acts. They were building churches, creating churches, church planning all over the place in the ancient world. And we can't stop now either. And so what we can do with the secondary logo is when we talk about a specific campus of ours that we want to launch, we can throw the city name at the bottom of that logo, to say Radiant Life Sturgis is who we're talking about, Radiant Life Coldwater, Radiant Life Three Rivers, Radiant Life Vicksburg, Radiant Life da 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 wherever the Lord is opening territory. That's what we can do with that logo. So when we're in conversation here at the main campus here in Sturgis, we can celebrate and talk, we can throw that one up. And we all know we're talking about Coldwater with Pastor John, or we're talking about Three Rivers, we're talking about whatever, right? But we all share that left logo, the burst. So we have new stuff out there in the lobby for you. If you want to grab, uh, there's new stickers. If you're a sticker person, you want to put it on your car so I can watch how fast you drive or how slow you drive. (laughs) 
kidding. Kidding. Kind of kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, or put it on your computer, put it on your guitar, whatever you do with stickers. Just know they're vinyl transfer stickers, okay? So here's the thing. You slap it on, rub it on, rub the white part really good, and then you're going to take the film and peel the film off, okay? Don't leave the film on. Peel the film off. It looks way better, by the way. Way better, okay? So do that. Those stickers are on Guest Central. You can grab it right afterwards. We've got some new swag out there. we got hats. we got Winter Carhartt. I was corrected last service. They're called beanies, apparently. I call them Winter Hats, right, or stockings. Who calls them beanies? Raise of hands. Yeah, see, anyone under 20 calls them that, or, or 30. I think last service I said 40. 40 and under call them beanies. The rest of us, they're winter hats or stockings, right? That's just what, that's what they are. So we got that. We got that swag out there. Uh, we got our shirts that say our new burst. It says fully alive. That has our vision. That's for sale out there. Um, there's some Adidas quarter zips that are really nice for the winter months. We don't have that whole order in, but they're out there. Not all of our hats are in. There's a new cool hat coming next week for you ladies. Dudes, you will not want this hat. Ladies, you probably will. But if you're a dude that wants it, go ahead and grab it, all right? Don't be shy. So there's that. All right. One more thing. And then we're going to do a vignette style, sermon vignette, right? Each of us pastors get about seven minutes. You're going to get a different style that relates to the mission of the church. It's this. Um, to give us the input of the church is often people and money. The output is something different. And many people look at the church world and uh, think that people and money are the output when it's the input. Okay? So here's, here's an example. Here's what exists here at Radiant Life for your knowledge. It's how many people we have and what is our annual budget that we need to operate everything that you see as part of Radiant Life. From the facility to the addition, to the parking lot, to turning on the lights, to having what we have technology-wise, to those that are online. In order to have that, you realize some of the most expensive things in this church building is our technology. It's just the technology to do what we're able to do. That's some of the most expensive stuff. And this is all stuff we didn't have prior to 2020. And we always wanted to get there, but 2020 accelerated and pushed us off the cliff to get there type thing. So um, I'm going to show you the average and what our, uh, what our budget is uh, for Radiant Life. But here's the thing. When you look at the average of people that attend Radiant Life, this is a cu- accumulation of two campuses. You realize since 2020, we are two campuses. You have this present campus here in Sturgis, right here, the physical body that you and I engage in weekly. And then you have the online campus to those watching online. The online campus is what we want to encourage those watching online is to eventually, if you're able to, become an in-person here at this campus. That's our heart's desire. But there are those that are watching online that are part of the church, our family, Radiant Life family, that are considered shut-ins where they cannot get physically to the church building. And so online is the best thing that they can do to stay engaged with the church. Does that make sense? And so every single week, we have approximately, on average, about 1,200 people calling Radiant Life Home engaged on a weekly basis. That means there's approximately 900 of us here in this building and 300 online. Our budget here is through $1.3 million in order to keep us in operation. Here's what's fascinating about our budget. Our staffing is lower than the national average. 
There's about 42% of our budget actually only goes to staffing. Do you know what the national average is? 50 to 60%. So we are below average, which can be good, but can be bad, however you want to take it. We are below average for our staffing of our church that way. If you are more interested, and we have pie charts and how it's broken down into discipleship making, it's broken down to um, operations, mortgage, everything like that. You can grab a sheet right out on Guest Central for you if you're like that person that loves that kind of stuff, okay? We've simplified it. It's out there for you. But that's the input here, right? And here's what's fascinating online. Did you know online now is the front door of your church? Before, it used to be your website, where guests would want to come and kind of check you out. Excuse me, that Coke Zero is getting a little bubbly in my belly. <laughs> um, and <laughs> see, Coke Zero is fantastic, by the way. I am not sponsored by Coke Zero. I just really like it, okay? Um, but everyone that came and visited before 2020, it was like the website. They check your website, who you're about. Now everyone, before they step foot, they're checking on your, your online presence first, and that's what they're, they're looking at the crowd. What, what do they wear, right? Can I fit in? Do I have to dress up? Do I not? Can I wear jeans? Oh, look, some of the pastors have tattoos. I feel right at home now because you're tat- like things like that. So online, we love you. Can we just give a shout to our online family? Because they are our family online. Yeah. The output as we have input that comes in, our ultimate goal is to use everything God has given, the people, the the financial resources, and have the output of spirit-filled, spirit-led disciples make disciples who live on mission. That's what we're about. That is the church. We're about that. And so, we told you, if you were here last week, we gave you this this, um, image right here of vision and mission. The vision is that big thing we're going after. It's that thing on the horizon. It's the beautiful mountains and the sunset. But the car, you and I got to get in the car, and that's the vehicle that will help us accomplish and go after the vision. Does that make sense? Our vision last week, we said it, and it's on our new t-shirts. This is fully live, is to see everyone come fully alive in Jesus. Come what? Fully alive in Jesus. I said last week, my wife, as I closed out the message, my wife had a word and I had a word from the Lord and we brought it together and didn't realize the Lord was speaking to us, you know. And I said my wife's word was life and it was actually abundant life. It's John 10, 10. When Jesus says they've come so they can have life and have it to the full or have an abundant life. And our goal is to see everyone live that out. This is what God's imprint is on our church. Number two, we gotta figure out then how do we accomplish that? That's a great thing to go after. But what's the vehicle that's gonna help us get there? And you've seen this, it's on t-shirts, it's on a banner outside in our lobby. You see this, our mission here at Radiant Life is living out our God-given purpose every day by being transformed by Jesus, reaching the lost and making disciples who make disciples. Now, what I would say is that's our vehicle to accomplish the vision, but just if you can't memorize that, memorize those four words that are in cursive. Purpose, transformed, reaching, and making disciples. If you can memorize those, you're on good track. And what the four pastors, gentlemen pastors, are going to do this morning is they have seven minutes to unpack each of those really quick. A little sermon vignette for you. 
Hey church family, this is your tech director, Chad. This is the point in service where we had the technical issue this morning. So I am doing the introduction for Pastor John. Here he is with his piece of the message. I've got kind of three concepts or if you will, kind of stages of my life that I want to share with you this morning. And the, and the first one, um, it's this little guy right here. It's this little guy that was probably about four years old um, so full of life, so ready to take on whatever it was. Um, and then the question that I kind of ponder and I want you to think about as well is how did I turn into this probably 20-year-old guy who literally spent every waking moment of my days high to escape and numb pain and hurt and tor- turmoil and trauma. And that was my life for uh, six years from the time I was 18 until I was 24, and, and I finally surrendered my life to Jesus. But these, these three areas that I want to talk about, desirability, disillusionment, and despair. And the desirability component is we're all born with a desire to be known, to know God, to, to be valued, to be acceptable, um, to be loved. And I start there because in my life, that was turned on its head very early on. And so at 16 months old, I was adopted. Um, I was taken away from my birth mother because she was a drug addict. She was neglectful. She was abusive, and I was taken away. And I am so grateful that my mom, who's with us here today, Betty, is my adopted mom, um, the mom that I've always known and the only one that I do know, um, took me in and said, I will love you. I will value you. I will nurture you. And she is such an amazing woman. She told me about Jesus when I was young. She walked out her faith, and I saw it, even though I didn't latch on to it. I didn't grab a hold of it. I didn't make it my own until many years later. Unfortunately, my dad was the opposite. He was controlling, manipulative, abusive. He was what I would often refer to as a monster. Um, as early as I can remember, again, probably about four or five years old, I have my first memory. My first memory is of being sexually abused. And that sexual abuse lasted from that time up until I was 13. And I was able to physically, and I had brave enough in me at that point to stand up to my dad and, and basically in no uncertain terms let him know that it was not going to happen any longer. And throughout that process, I was physically abused, emotionally, mentally, all of those things that are wrapped up into that. And it really turned me into a person who had so much difficulty navigating life. I did well on the outside. I didn't do very well on the inside. And it took me to this place of, of disillusionment. And it was really this, this point of, and the Lord showed this to me long after I'd been saved and he started to do this transforming work in my life. At some point in my childhood, I had come to this conclusion that if I was just the perfect child, my dad would love me. If I earned his respect, if I earned his love, if I earned that value. And so I basically turned into a perfectionist. Everything I did, I had to be perfect at. I was one of the top in the class in the academic world. I was usually one of the top few in the sports teams that were the best. I pursued it with everything that I had at home which made my mom very happy. I did the dishes, I did the laundry, I mowed the lawn, I cleaned the garage, I did all those things to validate myself to my dad so that he would stop doing what he did. And, and even to, to validate myself to myself, 
right? I wanted to know that I was valued and that I was loved and I was accepted. Unfortunately, that didn't work. So every time my dad would continue to do what he was doing, I was just left with this disillusionment of what is going on? How is this all-loving God that I know about because of my mom in my life not seeming to square up? They didn't match. They couldn't be reconciled. So this, this disillusionment really led to a time in my life where between my junior and senior year of high school, I, I just decided to do something that I, I totally regret. I had so much pain and so much anger that I just decided because someone at some point I had heard that, well, if you smoke marijuana, you chill out, you calm down. It, it just kind of calms you out. And I was, I was intense. I was so anxious. I was so angry. And I thought, you know what? I need to be chilled out. I need to calm down. I need to relax. And I tried it. And it did those things. It calmed me down. But it also took me down a six-year path of destruction. It opened a door that brought me to places I never thought I would be, doing things I never imagined that I would be doing. And I got to a point where I was so far gone that I really felt like if I took one more step into darkness, like there was a line in the sand and what I was about to do, I couldn't come back from. And, and this despair just, just consumed me. And that's what sin does, right? Many of us have probably heard this quote, Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And that was definitely true in my life. It stole so many things from me. And for six years, I, I just buried myself in, in drugs and sex and rock and roll and that whole mantra. That was my life. And I got to a point where I, I couldn't do it any longer. I, stepping over that line in my mind meant I couldn't come back from that. I wasn't redeemable at that point, and I, I just broke. I fell on my face before the Lord, and I said, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I want to be saved. I, I am a sinner, and I need you, and I need you to transform my life. And if you do, if you pull me out of this miry clay and out of the darkness into the light, I'll serve you all the days of my life. And he did. He, it was radical. It was like, if people, people that knew me before cannot even believe what God did in my life. And so as if that's not enough, getting saved, changing my eternal address, right? Going from eternal separation from God to I have my name now written down in the Lamb's book of life. That is amazing, but God continued to transform my heart and my mind. I had so many lies and things that I had believed, all those things that the enemy told me. Now, Jesus is telling me, my heavenly Father is telling me that I'm accepted, I'm valued, I'm loved. What a transforming thing, right? So Heather and I, we got saved just about at the same time. It's a miraculous story in and of itself, but we started going to a Bible-believing church, preaching the word, really digging into the word, and I, and I started to hear scriptures that I had never heard before. Scriptures like Romans 5 and 8 that says, but God proved his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
even when I was doing all those terrible things and I didn't want anything to do with God, even though I knew who Jesus was because of the faith of my mom, willful sin, darkness, indulging in it, having fun, all those things, Jesus was there. He's saying, John, I died for you. Psalm 139 to 13, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Touching on that adoption theme, right? Like before I was even born, as I'm being formed in my mother's womb, God is doing that, knitting me together. He cared about me before all of those terrible things happened to me. And then the one that really, really wrecked me, Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. I needed that so much. I needed to be affirmed in the fact that somebody cared. You know, statistics say that the love of a father is like paramount to almost anything in life. Like, if you have that, you're, you're so much further ahead. And I needed that. I needed that so badly. There was a, a really, really awesome picture that was put together by um, Chris Conrad at the GLR, 41 hours that we went to this last, last week. Um, he summed this up really well because you might be thinking, well, you know, if I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, I'm, I'm good. I don't need transformed. I don't need the Lord to heal me, to, to give me freedom. I don't need those kinds of things. But this is what Chris said. God's work in our lives is for his glory, our joy, and the benefit of others. I tell this story to brag on how good God is, but to be a benefit to other people as well, because sometimes the enemy steals our voice, steals our story, and you have stories, and the Lord wants you to share those with people. So the amazing thing about all that is, even in the midst of being transformed, even in the midst of this, this like my eternal address has changed. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm serving God. He wants even a deeper, greater freedom and healing for me, for you. And I had a really difficult, even more difficult than my childhood, to be honest with you, thing happened about 10 years ago in my life and it affected our family greatly. And it brought all that trauma back to the surface. And I had to walk that out again. And a theme came up or a thought came up that I never really heard the Lord on in all of that prior to. And it was this anger in me that said, God, where were you? Where were you when my dad was doing those things? You're an all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere, all at the same time, God, right? And I believed that. But how does this reconcile? Where were you when I was being abused like that? And this is the part that the Lord really spoke to me when I was preparing for this. And he said, John, you need to leave that in there. You need to share this. You need to speak this. Because there are going to be someone under the sound of your voice that needs to hear this. Okay? So just lean in. Because this is what the Spirit of the Lord said to me when I cried out to him and I was angry and I was hurt. God said, I never abandoned you. I was there the whole time. I was moving heaven and earth to protect you. If I hadn't intervened on your behalf, what your dad would have done would have been so bad, 
you wouldn't have been able to endure it. It would have destroyed you. I protected you in spite of the evil that was being unleashed against you. Wow. Abba Father. He doesn't always protect us in the way that we think he should. But to think that it could have been so much worse, and I know it could have been. I've heard stories of way worse than I endured. That God was moving heaven and earth to protect me. He's speaking that to somebody here today. You're, you're dealing with some hurt and you're thinking, God, where were you? Why didn't you protect me? Why didn't you X, fill in the blank? He did. He did. So why is transformation important? Because in order to come fully alive in Christ and live out our God-given purpose that's been so talked about, we have to be whole. We have to be healed. We can't take our junk where God wants to take us, right? Jesus died to give us fullness of joy. He died to give us freedom. He died to give us that abundant John 10.10 life that Pastor Ryan mentioned. He purchased our freedom and our healing with his blood. And he has great things for us to experience, but also for us to accomplish, right? We're talking about mission. So as I get ready to hand it over to Pastor Brian and he's going to, or Pastor Brandon, and he's going to talk about what that transformed life should move us into, I want to leave you with two questions. What needs transformed in my life so I can be fully alive and effective in the kingdom of God? And what is Jesus inviting me to surrender? Can we thank Pastor John for his vulnerability? I appreciate his vulnerability. And at the same time, he's totally giving credit and glory to God for the transformation that's happened in his life. And, and he shared his story with us, and there's a lot of parts of my story that overlap. Uh, not in a direct way, but there's similarities uh, in our stories. And in a room of this size and all the folks that are joining us online, it's good probability that there's some folks in here that can relate to some of that story. In that same vein, though, there's probably some folks like, man, my parents were great. They were awesome. I, I didn't have to go through some of those traumas, and we praise God for that. But I want to encourage you to still consider these questions about what type of transformation that Holy Spirit might want to do in your life. Because Pastor John just, he said it beautifully. I'm going to rephrase it. It's hard to move forward if we're carrying our yesterdays. And so we, we, we need to allow God to, to transform those things in our life. Because there is a calling. There's people out there. They're going to spend eternity far from God. There are people who are desperate to be in a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're here today. Whether you were dragged or you're not even sure why you're here, you're you're trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. But for followers of Jesus, is this idea of reaching the lost, is this even on your radar? Like when you look at our mission statement, do you just uh, quickly breeze right over that statement of reaching the lost? Like is this even on your radar when it comes to the mission?
Because it's, it's really not complicated, I promise you. Like, I think so often we get going with our fast, crazy lives that we miss opportunities. We all got to pump gas at some point. We all stand in a line somewhere. And are we missing opportunities to reach the lost? And I'm not saying that every opportunity is like, you're going to lead someone through a prayer and they're, they're going to come into faith in that moment. But maybe God's going to use you to plant a seed in that person's life. Jesus was very clear about what his mission was. In Luke 19.10, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to break down all of these barriers of culture. Because he has such a heart for people, humanity, his creation. Now, to really kind of hone in and pound and illustrate this point, I just want to play a quick two-minute video to kind of help illustrate this point. scaling a house that was on fire, smashing open a window, and then emerging with a very precious save. It's a desperate race to save two children trapped inside an apartment. They're in the back room. Body cam footage shows the police officer in Mesa, Arizona, throwing rocks to break open the window. You can hear the children's screams. Come to the window! The cop is trying to figure out the situation when a good Samaritan appears out of nowhere. Do we have a ladder or anything? No, I don't have a ladder. Look, he's like Spider-Man. He hops the fence, stands on an air conditioning unit, and rips out the window frame with his bare hands. Tell him to come to the window! As smoke billows out, he actually hoists himself into the burning building. Moments later, he reappears with a baby. She's wearing only a diaper. Give it to me! I gotta, I gotta go. Go, 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 go. As the officer rushes her to the medic, the hero citizen actually climbs back inside to find the other kid. There's a kid in here. There's a kid in here. He does it again. Another little girl saved. Let me see. Let me see. Give me the baby. It's okay. It's okay. The girls, ages two and six, are expected to make a full recovery, all because of the real-life Spider-Man. Unbelievable. That incredible human being is also incredibly humble. A police officer at the scene says that man put his life on the line but did not want to be identified because he did what he did to help the children, he said, not for the attention. Do we have that same audacity, that same passion, that drive for people who will spend eternity far from God? The Father loves them deeply. Pastor John, he knows that. His life has been transformed because of that love. And maybe your life has been changed because of that father's love. Do we pursue lost people with the same tenacity? Now, Jesus, he taught on this, and there's a little bit of debate on the theology of this, but let me kind of lay the land with this story that Jesus tells here in Matthew. He says, what do you think if someone has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, won't he leave the 99 on the hillside and go and search for the stray? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices over that sheep more than over the 99 that didn't go astray. Hone in on this. In the same way, 
Is it not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones perish? So whether this is theology about uh, the, the, the sheep being in the flock and that someone part of the church or if this is someone who isn't part of the ecclesia, I want you to see that the, the point here is this pursuit, this going after. And I fully believe that God wants to use us to reach lost people. He wants to use you where you work, live, and play. Now we did a teaching series called Reaching Out and we introduced this concept of bless. This is just a a framework that you can use and it's literally, maybe you start your day, if you wanna reach lost people and get this on your radar, pray about it. Like, Lord, what encounters do you have for me today? Oh, I dare you to pray this one. Lord, what holy interruptions do you have for me today? I didn't say that the other service, so I think that was Holy Spirit right now. Lord, you, you, have, you have your way. You can, feel free to interrupt my day today in order for you to use me. Yeah. Start with that prayer. And then go into these conversations, not with your agenda, but to actually listen. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. We go in there and listen with care. And I love this one, you eat with them. I do really good at this one. I think it's a spiritual strength of mine. We'll just say that fruit's real big on this tree. I didn't say that first service either. But don't complicate this. Invite them out to tacos. Invite them over to your house. And please hear me on this. Your house does not need to be perfect. I still have unfinished drywall in my living room and I have a group that comes over every Monday. Don't be afraid. It's not even about your house. It's about you spending time with them and we all gotta eat and then serve them. Be literally the hands, of Je- uh, the hands and feet of Jesus to this person. And at some point, you absolutely get to share all of God's honor and glory in your story. So consider this acronym of BLESS. How can you bless other people? I love this uh, quote from Henry Nowen. He says, when we invite friends for a meal, we do much more than offer them food for their bodies. We offer friendship fellowship, good conversation, intimacy, and closeness. When we say, help yourself, take some more, don't be shy, have another glass, we offer our guests not only our food and drink, but also ourselves. A spiritual bond grows, and we become food and drink for one another. It's about just pouring ourselves out to other people. It's about being available towards other people. Now, this came to mind. I didn't share this first service either, but uh, a friend of mine in my life group, his name is Keith, and he's in the business world and does a lot of traveling stuff. In fact, he's on vacation right now, so hopefully you're watching this, Keith. But Keith, he's awesome. He's got years of experience, and here's a little tool that I wanna give to you is that in your workplace, or that place where you're kind of wrestling with this idea of like, do I share my faith in this, this environment, in my workplace? Here's a tool that Keith has picked up on from experience. Address the conversation like this. Can, can this be an off hours conversation? Is this off the books? And then begin to share your faith about how God has impacted your life. So here's some questions to consider. How am I reaching the lost? 
If you really want a gut soul check, ask that second question. God, am I making excuses or lying to myself about reaching the lost? And now we wrap it all up with the fourth aspect of our mission statement, which is making disciples who make disciples. Now, in a passage that many of you have probably heard, you've probably heard me say it or somebody else say it from this platform, right? But Jesus is having a conversation, and he says this in Matthew chapter 28. He says, Jesus came near and said to him, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus gathers these people and he tells, tells them, hey, I have the authority and now I am going to commission you to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is going out identifying the lost, which Pastor Brandon was just talking about, baptizing them, ushering them into this space where they come into a relationship with Jesus. And then you teach them to observe everything that Jesus has commanded. That word that we translate observe means to conform one's actions or practice to. So it's not just, oh, oh yeah, look at, yep, I see all those things that Jesus taught. But it's saying, what did Jesus say? How did he say to live life? And is my life conformed to that model? This is discipleship. We go, we build relationships with people that don't know Jesus. We walk alongside them into a relationship with Jesus. And then we walk alongside them as they are conformed into the likeness of Jesus. But, and this isn't a trick question, in this particular conversation that Jesus is having, who is he speaking to? I mean, you can actually say it. Like, who's he speaking to? His disciples, which highlights an important part of discipleship. To make disciples, you have to be a disciple. It's not rocket science, right? You can't lead somewhere, somewhere you aren't going. So we have to actually be a disciple of Jesus. We have to be in the process of having our life conformed into the likeness of Jesus. But I think this this creates a hurdle for some of us. And I'm going to call it the qualification fallacy. right? Because when we talk about making disciples, many of us might respond, well, yeah, I just, you know, I don't know quite enough yet to be able to do that. And we have in our mind this idea of, of this spot we should be in before we begin to disciple other people. Right? You do have to be a disciple, but other than that, I think we, we overcomplicate it, right? I want to say, I would, I would encourage you to focus on progress, not perfection. Are you growing in your walk with Jesus? If the answer to that is yes, you're qualified. Think of this, 100, 100 point scale right here. On, on the zero end, we have somebody who's an unbeliever. If you're in the room and you're an unbeliever, I'm not calling you a zero. We love you. You're awesome. I just, it works for the scale, right? So zero means you haven't even come into a relationship with Jesus yet. 100 is perfect. You're like, you're, you're Sally Heidloff level, you know, at, at 100. 
most of us aren't there yet. We're not there yet, right? And, and you might look at this and you say, well, you know what? I'm probably like a two and three quarters. And then we think, I'm not really in a place to be able to disciple other people. But you are. Because there's somebody out there who's a zero. There's somebody out there who's like one and a third. You've got something to offer those people. So don't wait till you reach this imaginary line of qualification to begin discipling other people. As you wrestle with that, you're thinking, eh, I just don't know. I want to bring a quote from one of my favorite pastors. Pastor Pam Carey says this. You may not feel worthy of God's... I'm serious. I'm serious. She actually said this, and she's one of my favorite pastors. You may not feel worthy of God's calling on your life, but he is worthy of your obedience. So if Jesus comes and gives a command and says, go and make disciples, are we, are we obeying the command? So that's the other side of the coin. We have to be a disciple, but we also have to be engaged in making disciples. And guess what? Spoiler alert, discipleship is hard. Everybody say it with me. Discipleship is hard. Mac Lake says this. Discipleship is messy, custom, and time-consuming. It's messy. Do you know why it's messy? Because you're messy, and I'm messy. People are messy. I don't know if you were aware of this. People are messy. So discipleship is messy. It's custom because we're all in different spots. We all have different life experiences, right? The things that we've, that Holy Spirit wants to work on in Frank might not be the things that Tammy has to deal with or that Libby has to work on, right? It's custom. So we can't sit there and say, all right, I'm gonna give you these six steps and every single person just follow these same six steps and in six weeks, boom, you're a 100. No, it doesn't work that way. It's messy, it's custom and it's time-consuming. Jesus spent three, three and a half years with his disciples, and they were still a mess at the end of it. They still didn't have it all figured out. And we think we can knock it out in a six-week program. No. This takes investment over time. We have to be intentional to do this. It's messy, kind of like parenting. How many parents do we have in the room today? So if you've got a kid or more, more than one kid, right? It can be messy parenting, right? Sometimes, like, like, when they're really young, it's literally messy to raise kids. Discipleship is like that sometimes, too. It's a little bit more crap sometimes in discipleship than with your, with your kids. <laughs> I'm totally burning through my time. I'm sorry, Ryan. All right, but, but Paul uses this language. He uses parental language. When it comes to discipleship, he says this in 1 Corinthians 4. For you may have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. This is why I have sent Timothy to you. He is my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul says, I'm this, this spiritual father to you. And, and Timothy is my spiritual child, and I'm sending him. So he uses this family language in discipleship. So I want to ask the first set of questions. It's this. Who are your Pauls? Right, your spiritual parents or mentors? Who's a little bit further down the line than you? They've been walking with Jesus a little bit longer. They've grown in some areas that you're still growing in. 
Who are those people that you have invited to your table to sit down and pour into you? And then the second question is, who are your Timothys? Who are you pouring into? Because if you're a two and three quarters, again, that one and a third, that you've got something to give them. Are you investing in those people's spiritual walks? Now, in parenting, right, if we want to continue with that metaphor, it's, it's really true, and you've probably seen this if you have kids, that it's, it's more caught than taught. Right? I can teach my kids all kinds of things, but if I'm not actually doing those things, it's not very effective. I can say, hey, don't fight with your brother. Don't punch your sister. But if I'm at home and I treat my wife like garbage, how, how effective is my instruction to my children to, to treat other people with respect? It's not. It's more caught than taught. And Paul continues this. He says, again, what he said in in 1 Corinthians 4. He says, imitate me. Imitate me as what? As I also imitate who? Christ is the standard, not Paul. But Paul can say, hey, as I have conformed my life to the likeness of Christ, you can imitate me, and it's a reasonable facsimile thereof. He says, imitate me. Catch what I've got. Which leads to our next question, which is this. Is my life worth imitating? Could I honestly say to somebody, imitate me as I imitate Christ? If I'm not imitating Christ, I don't know that we should use my life as a model. So is my life worth imitating? And then in another passage that I've used multiple times from this stage, Jesus is talking once again to his disciples, and he says this to them. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, he's demonstrated it. Now he's calling them to imitate him. Does that sound familiar? He says, love one another. Just as I've loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this, whether or not you love one another. So the final question for us all to wrestle with here today is, does my life exhibit the key marker of discipleship, which is loving one another? Is that in my life? Worship team, make your way up. We're going to close with one final song. The vision to see everyone come fully alive in Jesus. How do we get it done? Together, in the same vehicle, living out our God-given purpose every day by being transformed by Jesus, reaching the lost, and making disciples who make disciples. This is the God-given mission and vision of this family here, right here together. And I say this often, we are radiant life. I don't add church on for a reason because we are assembly of called out ones, the ecclesia. We are a family because lean in, church is not an event, but a family to belong to. We need each other. 
This is why I say you can't neglect the Sunday morning thing because we need each other. Next week for the next four weeks, we're gonna launch into a new series called Everyday Disciple. And it's looking at, as we live into the mission and vision that God has for us, what is that disciple that he's forming inside us? Who are we becoming? So it will be related to the We series. But welcome to Radiant Life, a place where we hope and pray to see everyone come fully alive in Jesus Christ. Amen? Church family, let's stand together and let's sing out. May this be the anthem that we worship this name that is above the center screens, that is bright. His name is Jesus. May we worship and then we'll go. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.